Hello and welcome to Press Church. I'm Chrissy Bontrager, the Care and Family Ministries Director. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we are so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm New link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. Friday, December 24th at 5 p.m. at our PAL campus, we'll be having a candle Christmas Eve service. Press Youth will be meeting tonight from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our PAL campus for Christmas games and a hot chocolate bar. This is a great opportunity for our youth to connect with each other and learn more about God. On Tuesday, December 7th at 7 p.m. at our Delaware Outreach Center, we will be making No Sew Blankets. All the blankets will be made and donated to families in need. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you are visiting a campus in person, there is a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop off your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send us a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. Welcome to the island of the misfit toys. Don't you forget, you were loved. You were loved. You were loved. Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you again today. For those of you uh, who this may be the first time, welcome. Thank you for being here. And for those of you watching online, I hope you are doing well also. Uh, before I go too deep in, I want to make sure to thank everybody who came out this last week and gave blood at our blood drive. I know uh, when Jason talked to him afterwards, they were very happy with the amount of people that came through. So if you did that, thank you so much for doing that. The other thing I want to make sure to highlight, if you didn't see it in the video or you zoned out for a second, this Tuesday, this Tuesday at 7 p.m., I, was, I see some people laughing. Do you actually zone out in that? Like, they're like, yep, I did. So this Tuesday, we are making blankets together at our Press Outreach Center uh, there in Delaware. So if you have any questions about that, this is a great opportunity. We've actually done this the last, this is our third time doing it. So we, even before we launched as a church, uh, we were doing this together. This is a great time to come together. We make no-sew blankets. It's super simple. You don't need, like, sewing. Like, I can do it. So if I can do it, you can do it. It's really great. If you are newer with us, this is a great opportunity to meet some people. Uh, it's, it's just a great time. Put some Christmas tunes on, make some blankets, have some hot cocoa or something. Uh, but this Tuesday, this week, and if you need information, come speak to either myself. Uh, if you're not getting the emails or you're not part of our email list, let us know. Info at presschurch.tv. You can hit us up. You can stay up to date on everything that we're doing. But this will be a really fun. It's always a good event. So... That's my, that's my spiel, spiel for that, and you should, you should make it a priority if you haven't. So, all right, Misfit Toys. 
we're continuing Misfit Toys. If this is your first week with us, you're like, wait, Misfit Toys, what does this have to do with church or God or anything like that? Well, we'll get into that, but, but uh, we're continuing our Misfit Toys series. Does anybody have a friend who's like overly opinionated? Or are you that overly opinionated friend? Maybe you're that overly opinionated friend. You have that friend who just like, no matter what it is, they have an opinion about it, and it's, it's extreme, right? Like you, you're, you're trying to go to dinner, and they're like, oh, I'm never eating at that place again. Like, oh, my gosh, okay, fine, we're going to go here. Nope, can't do that. Or, you know, you're watching a movie, and they don't like, whatever it is. You have that friend who's like always opinionated, right? We know, I mean, here's the thing. We've got, we talk about this a lot. Relationships can be hard, right? They can be hard to navigate. They can be hard to deal with. You got different personalities. You got different opinions, and it can feel overwhelming. Uh, it's it's interesting. Hello. Oh, there we go. When we talk to people, nine times out of ten, what they want they want connection. They want they they want friendship. They want, but yet at the same time, it's hard, right? We 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 know this. It's like the thing that we want the most is one of the hardest things to get, because there's we talked about last week. We talked about vulnerability, right? How do, I be, how do I be vulnerable without getting hurt? How do, I, how do I deal with even being vulnerable with God and recognizing some, some issues with myself and issues in other people? And so it gets messy. At the end of the day, it gets messy. And I think we, we know that. Uh, and that can keep us from actually engaging in relationships. It can keep us from going deeper, not only with our friends, but sometimes even with God. If we can't be honest with him, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. So we got to... Pastors this week, I don't know if, you guys, if you're new with us, almost every week we get the pastors together, we hop in the car, and we start talking about this. So let's, uh, let's watch this video and hear a couple uh, of opinions that Jason has. Actually, there are a couple of different types of pizza that I would say are good. You know, like right. som- sometimes I like a good wood-fired pizza, but not always. That, you know, like sometimes that's really good. All right. Other times I like a Chicago style deep dish you casserole. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> that is humanity, right there. But in a nutshell. But why? Why do we care that much about other people agreeing with us? I mean, that's the that's we'll the one validation. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I'm like. Argue with me. I want to know. <laughs> Prove you know. me wrong. Right. Well, we we want people to agree with us because it affirms that what we think is right. That well, and I think it goes beyond that. It's not just what we think is right. We're part of the winning team. Right. Like it. it, it, it there's a rightness that we're attracted to mm-hmm. that is really about our identity and everything that encompasses our being. I want to be identified with. Yeah. The best, the right, the better, the winning, yeah. the, yeah. Why does anybody get so bummed out when Ohio State is beaten by Michigan? Oh, yeah. It was funny. I, I told you guys, it's like, I was amazed by the, the amount of posts that I saw that, like, people were like, our identity is not found in a football team, and it's like... Right. It's a good reminder, but, but the fact that we have to say that, why don't they say that after a win, though? Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Win the national championship, guys. Yeah. Are, <laughs> It's like, I mean, I was bummed, and I love Ohio State. I, I, I like me some Ohio State, but okay, so that yeah. happened. We'll beat them next year. Whatever. <laughs> it's, it's all vapor. Last. It's all vapor. That's right. <laughs> well, that's why we talked about Ecclesiastes at some point. Right. 
the, the things in this world that we put our pride is we're saying pride's a, maybe a negative thing where pride anymore is not a bad thing pride's a good thing it's it's celebrate i mean that's well it's all about the meaning of words right, right and yeah. so uh in our modern context pride doesn't necessarily mean what it meant in the biblical right. context right and right. so that's where it becomes kind of challenging to <laughs> yeah, let go of pride. I mean, in the biblical context, most of the times the word we translate pride, especially in the Old Testament, like Proverbs and all that, really is more to do with self-exaltation and mm-hmm. arrogance mm-hmm. Yeah. and less about pride the way we use it today. Right. Yes. And so that does impact when we say pride, what do we mean? Mm-hmm. We have to define that term right? if we're going to use it as a basis for something. So we're really talking about this self-exaltation, yes. right? The sense of, uh, it, it's almost like a, an identity of self that's beyond on some level. Yeah. You know, really it's a, it's an issue of replacing God. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I see this as a continuation of last week. If you think about those last three points I used last week, I am not God. Yeah. You know what I mean? I need God. I can trust God. You know, mm-hmm. it's all leading towards this. Uh, I would say the same vein of like what what pride does. Pride says that I I am a I am God. I am in, I control. Am in control. I don't yeah. I don't need God, and I don't I don't if I don't need God, why would right. I trust Him? <laughs> like the trust thing's out the window at that point. Right. Says that my way is the right way, right. and I'm a part of the most right way. You know, <laughs> right. and that's why I want everybody else to agree with me. Exactly, because that means I am part of the most right. right because everyone agrees. Right. right. I think one of the pathways where you can kind of, I don't know, have a litmus test for pride is asking yourself the question: Why do I care? Yeah. If you really want to answer that, mm. what, why, why do you care about whatever it is, whatever it yeah. is? Why do you care so much? I agree. Yeah. Because people need to know I'm right. They need to know that I'm right. That's why we care. Before I dig in, I actually want to take a second and pray real quick. God, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts and minds to what you have for us. God, I pray that you would uh, speak through me today, that the words I speak would be uh, directed by you and your Holy Spirit, God. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you didn't have a chance to join us in in some of our first couple weeks, uh, I would encourage you to go back. We have everything on YouTube. You can go back and watch everything. But the basic premise of of the series that were misfit toys. You know, we were originally designed for something better. We talked about the Garden of Eden and, the, and creation. We were designed with purpose and meaning. Uh, and now, you know, we have that feeling that something isn't right. We have this, this longing, this hole. Something is missing. We're not quite right. We're longing for that better. And even though we all feel like misfits at times, I think we also struggle with different levels of pride in our own life. Like we said in the video, uh, the pride that I'm speaking about here is more in the, the biblical sense, and that, that is basically pride being an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority. An unreasonable conceit of one's own superior, superiority. So why does this matter? Why, why does it matter if I have that? And my first point today is this, is that pride creates division. Pride creates division. We really, if we break this down, when I when I when I feel better, when I put myself up higher, it creates division. If you if you view yourself more superior than somebody else, it it disconnects you from them. It makes you better and them lesser. But the weird thing about this 
and I'm sure some of you may be feeling this, as much as I'm, I'm talking about pride here, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm better, the disconnect here is that even in this, a lot of us don't think very highly of ourselves. And we question our own worth. We question our own purpose. So it's like we're stuck. We, we, we view ourselves better than other people, but then at the same time, we hate parts of who we are. It's just like the economy that we're in. It's like, well, I, you need to know my opinion, and this is how I think, and you should think like me. And then behind closed doors, we're like, man, I, I don't really like myself. It's like we have to put on this persona of, of confidence when we're around other people, like this false sense of, of pride. In Romans 12, there's a section uh, that's, that speaks, it kind of dives into what action, what love in action looks like. Uh, and so I want to, this verse uh, 12, 16, it says this, it says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. In this whole section, if you go through that section, there's all these other ways that we can give love and action. But when I think about this, a lot of times in Scripture, and this is what's so funny, we can, we can read Scripture, we can hear sermons, we can, you know, he, get knowledge. But the practical application of this in our lives is very difficult. Do not be conceited. How do you play that out? How, do you, how, how are you not conceited in the way that you live your life? Live in harmony with, with one another. Man, that's really easy these days, right? Live in harmony with one another. How do you do that? How do you do that when someone's political ideology is way different than yours? When we, we judge each other so much on so many different things. Oh my goodness, did you see what they posted on Facebook? And all of a sudden, it's, it's again, it's, that's not harmony. Now you're just judging someone off of something else. You guys are part of like the Powell bubble or Powell talk. You like get on there and start reading through the comments. It's just like everybody wants to, be, you, no, you, here's my opinion. Well, here's my opinion. Here's, it's like we all have opinions and every, well, you're right and you're right. Who's right? We're all wrong. It's, it's like how, how do we live in harmony when people are so, so strong about their opinions and so strong about, about that? Do not be conceited. Live in harmony. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. It's, it's, we can read a verse like this, and it's so simple. Seems so simple. But then in practical application, man, you know, you get to your job, you get to work. Are you, are you really in harmony with those people? Your siblings? Your family? We just had Thanksgiving. How did that go, right? You guys have any fun conversations at Thanksgiving? Well, Christmas is right around the corner, so you're going to have to do it again. So if you, if you, if you messed up at Thanksgiving, you have another opportunity to, to have a, you know, a cordial time with your family. Or maybe, maybe you're one of those people who, who don't meet with family because of things that have happened in the past. Like, there's real struggles that we go through when we read a verse like this. It can, it can seemingly just dismiss where we are in life. And it can seem so unreasonable that we just dismiss it. Be like, well, I don't even know how, I don't even know how to do this in my life. How am I supposed to live in harmony? How am I supposed to not engage in any of this. And so it's so easy to just dismiss this. Early in the series, I had a point that says this. I said, we struggle to understand ourselves because we struggle to understand and trust God. This has been a big, a main theme through this, through this series. Because if we struggle to understand and trust God, then our view of ourselves will always be skewed. We, we will always have an unrealistic expectation of what we're supposed to do. We'll always view ourselves in a certain way. 
And if we struggle with this, if we struggle understanding ourselves, then we will always have struggle in relationships and engaging with other people. If, 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 if my view is higher, if I, if I view myself higher than somebody else, my interaction with somebody else is, is going to be affected by that. I'm going to treat them a certain way. I'm going to look at them. Check. Everything, every, every element of that relationship will be then affected by that viewpoint. If you think of yourself poorly, then every relationship you're in will, will be affected by that. You won't talk very much. You won't think you have any worth. Well, you may not put yourself out there because you're like, well, I, I'm, I don't like myself, so why would they like me? And so when we, when we don't have a solid foundation of who we are in God's eyes and who we are because of Christ, then, then we're, gonna be, we're, we're not going to understand our identity and our purpose. And if we don't know our identity and our purpose, then every relationship that we have is going to be influenced by that. I think it's a good question for us to ask. How do I view and interact with other people? It's just a day-to-day -day thing. When you, we're just going through it, how do I view and interact with other people? What is, what is your initial thought? Is your initial thought, this person might hurt me, so I'm going to be... Or is your, maybe, you're, maybe you're a people person and you love friends and, and your identity is found in having the most friends. And so you're like, yes, I want this friend. Come on, let me collect another one. I mean, you may, you may land somewhere in any of the range of that. But how do I view other people? How do I interact with other people? You know, why is connection something that we long for so much? And, and subsequently, why is it so hard? I want this so bad. Why is it so hard? I just want a good friend. I just want a good friend group. I just want somebody I can trust that's not going to hurt me. Why can't I just do that? There's a, a book by a, guy, about a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. I don't know if you're familiar with Dallas Willard. He, he had a book called Renovation of the Heart. Great book. If you haven't read it, I'd recommend it. It's a great book. But in this book, Dallas talks about, uh, he has this thing called Circles of Sufficiency. And he, basic, he basically says that this, you know, natural condition of life is for humans' reciprocal rootedness in each other. So the natural condition of life is that we are rooted a reciprocal rootedness in each other. Uh, basically, you say having the assurance of, of others being for us is essential. It's essential to have other people being for us to have a stable and healthy life. Uh, one of these circles, you could say, is like a circle of, uh, of like a, a parent relationship. You have your, you know, you, as you're a kid, you have, you have your parents. That's a circle of sufficiency. You find sufficiency in that relationship. We mentioned last week with, with all the pastors talking, CR mentioned, as a kid, if you, don't, if you don't receive proper love at an early age, you will have issues the rest of your life. You will, you will feel disconnected the rest of your life because of that. And you'll have to work through some of those abandonment things. And so these, these circles of sufficiency, they, they greatly affect us. Now, in a, in a parental relationship, this is the... This is the the crazy thing about it, as much as that's one of the strongest circles of sufficiency, it can also cause the most damage. It can be where our most deepest and, and most lasting wounds uh, occur, is in that parental relationship. And that's the thing, these circles were not meant to be so fragile. 
But yet, again, we see the effects of the fall. We talked about it in the first week. We talked about Genesis. We had purpose. Because of the fall, we're now dealing with the sin nature. We're dealing with the fact that, that we are no longer in this, this perfect space. And so some of these circles of sufficiency that we have can, can be the greatest and most uh, secure things that we have, but they can also create the most wounds. And so I'm going to paraphrase slightly, but basically what, what Dallas Willard said, what he ultimately gets to concerning these circles is that he says, ultimately every human circle is doomed to dissolution if it's not caught up in the life of the only genuinely self-sufficient circle. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Every human circle that we have, if it's not rooted in that circle of sufficiency of Christ, will always, will always struggle. Because that's the only circle that we can actually have true hope in. I mean, that's the unfortunate part. We all know, we all have a friend who's a good friend that's let us down. As a parent, I am not going to parent perfectly. I've, I've joked before, I said, I just, I know I'm going to screw my kids up, I just hope I don't screw them up too much, right? I'm going to do something that hurts my kids or causes, causes wounds. Because we have wounds. And because we have wounds, we wound other people. It's natural. This is, this is the, the tension of life. We have, we have the opportunity both to do good and to do bad to hurt, or to build up. So the question that I would come to is this, what circles are you tying yourself to? What are the strongest circles of sufficiency in your life? Who are you, who are you letting speak into who you are? Who are you letting speak into who, what your identity is and your purpose? Who are you holding on to for sufficiency? I think this ties back to, to the video and that our identity is often tied to something that's outside of ourself. We, we joked about the football team, right? Oh, go Buckeyes, and then they lose, and you just feel terrible. Oh, man, Buckeyes lost. Like, that's an extreme, obviously, but we all do that. We have our ties. We tie ourselves to, to external things that we then find our hope in and our purpose in and our identity in. And, and, and how good that exterior thing is determines how good I am. When I have the good job, I'm good. When my family's doing well, I'm good. The extent of how well that performs is directly correlated to how I view myself and how I want other people to view me. But the fatal flaw in this is it goes back to week two of what we talked about. It's all relative. It's all meaningless. It's like a mist. This is Ecclesiastes, right? The things of this world will always let us down. Here one second, gone the next. It's like a vapor, right? We talked about it being smoke. You see it, it's there, and then it's gone. And so we put our sufficiency in things that will never fully last. And yet we do that. It's like, it's like rinse, repeat. We do it, it fades away. We, we go for the next thing, we do it, and then it fades away. I find my identity in being the best at work. Well, someone, someone better will eventually come along. I find my identity in how I perform. You're going to mess up at some point. I find my identity in who my friends are. People can let you down. People can leave. I root for the best team. They're going to eventually lose. I have the hottest spouse. Time waits for no one. 
The things you want smaller get bigger. The things you want bigger get smaller. I was talking about ears and noses, by the way. Did you guys know that? They never stop growing, your ears and your nose. So, so I don't know what you guys were thinking about. Jeez. So I've got, a really, I've got a really deep point here. So get ready to write this down, okay? It's impossible to find lasting satisfaction in the temporary. That's where else. Well, duh. But this is what we do all the time. Every day, we get caught up in, in trying to find satisfaction in something that's ultimately going to pass, that's ultimately going to let us down. We work so hard to, to, to get something that's, that's going to, oh, well, this is going to be it this time. As soon as I land this, it's going to be good. And then, it, and then what happens when it's gone? We put so much effort into that, and now it's gone. It reminds me of the story, if you're familiar with the story of the woman at the well. Samaritan woman, Jesus meets this lady at the well. They meet. And she's going there to get water, right? She's getting water. And then Jesus starts dialoguing with her. He starts talking with her. And he talks about this living water where she'll, where she'll never be thirsty again. She's like, what are you talking about? This, this, you'll, you'll never be thirsty. And what happens is when we're going to the temporary, it's like going back to that old well of water. We go back to that old well of water thinking that it's finally going to satisfy us. And then it doesn't. We have to go back for more. You have to keep making that journey back to that well to get that again. And it lasts for a second. You're, it's, it's quenched for a second, but then, and then it fades. And I've got to go back, get my bucket, go back again. And Jesus is saying, I've got something eternal. I have something lasting. Going back to pride. Pride says, I have what I need. Pride says, I'm good. This is good. I have what I need. Psalm 10, verse 4, it says this. It says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. I, it scares me how, how natural this is to do, to like not include God in, in, in my sufficiency. Like, in my day-to-day, -day, this, is, this is, again, I think, I talked about this a little bit. The problem with sermons and all these different things is we hear these words, and then we go back to our lives, and we may incorporate it a little bit, but it's just kind of a thought. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to think, think of good things, but I'm not actually play, playing this out in my real life. Like, in my real life, do I leave room for God? Do I, do I think I have it so together that I, that I don't need God? And, and the truth is, I think we all, we all do this to some extent. I, I've got this under control, and that's pride. I've got this under control. I'll be good. I'll be good. So if we take what Dallas Willard says and are grounded and find our sufficiency in God, if we do that, if, if our sufficiency is found in that circle, of the Trinity of, 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 of God, then we will live in his identity for us. And we will live in his purpose for us. 
and we will then arrive at a healthier view of our value. So, so now you don't have to prove your worth. You don't have to prove that you're right. You don't have to be right all the time. You're allowed to mess up. You're allowed to succeed. You are okay. You are loved. There's this foundation of sufficiency, a foundation of security, that no matter what I do well in or what, what I do poor in, what successes I have, what failures I have, now those don't define me. Those don't define my worth. There's something I have to live with. There's something I have to deal with. There's relationships that maybe need mending or there's people that are going to hurt me. There's, there's still all of this stuff. It doesn't take away life. But it, it, it puts and redirects our focus that my value and purpose is not in that. That mess up that I had doesn't define me. That screw up, that bad decision, yeah, there may be some consequences in this life for that, but that doesn't make, that doesn't make God view you differently. That's not, that's not the defining element of you. That's not your title. Your title isn't screw up or failure or mess up. It's loved. Loved by God. I wish we could just have that, like, maybe on a shirt where loved by God, and we could just live in that. This is the importance of finding our identity in Christ. We talk about our identity in Christ a lot here at Press Church. Knowing our identity in Christ is knowing what he thinks of us. The creator of everything. If you know what the creator of everything, the ultimate power, what he thinks of you, then how does what this random person over here think of you, how does that weigh? If the ultimate power in all of creation looks at you as precious, and this person over here is like, oh, whatever. Who's, who are you listening to? I'm listening to the powerful one. I don't know about you. It's not until we understand how God sees us that we'll be okay no matter what. In 2 Corinthians, it speaks to us a little bit. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6, 3, it's actually 4 and 5, my bad. To such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. What we have comes from Jesus, from some, some, comes from Christ. That is our confidence. I love that. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. So now God is not looking at us for our sin and our screw-ups. He's saying, because of Christ, this is how I do. This is, this is massive. This is big. Because, you know, I, I can enjoy good things in life. I can mourn and I can be sad. I can celebrate wins. I can work through losses. I can deal with everything that happens. No matter what. I'm not going to say, oh, you shouldn't strive for good things. Strive for good things. Sure, make money. Be successful. That's all that's great and fine. Don't put your identity in it. It's fleeting. It's failing. It's susceptible to loss. At the end of the day, we're all going to pass away at some point, and, and that's just left behind. 
We can have, we can have confidence. Such confidence we have through Christ. And your worth and value is not changed by any of those incidences. This is the key to living as a misfit toy. Knowing we have some brokenness, knowing we're not perfect, knowing we can't have it quite all together in this life. Knowing we can hurt people and we can be hurt by people. But embracing the fact that through Christ, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we are seen as righteous, we are seen as whole, we are loved. So what would your relationships look like if, if we lived this out? What would your relationships look like if you, if you lived out of a, of a sufficiency circle of Christ? Knowing that your past does not define you, knowing that you are loved, how would your relationships look different? How would you view other people differently? Knowing how much has been done for you, now how can you view somebody else? You know, you hear you know, stories about you know, that high school bully, right? Everybody looks at him, oh, he's a jerk, he's terrible, but then deep down, you know, you, you see what's going on in his life, and he gets, he has a terrible home life, and he gets beat, and he's just acting out of his pain or her pain. We all have pain in our lives, and, and if we work out of that, we can, we can hurt other people, but if we recognize the fact that, well, if that's how I am, maybe somebody else is dealing with something too. Maybe the fact that them being a jerk is a reflection of some pain in their life. And they may be at a point where they can reconcile that and work through it. They may not. That's where wisdom comes in with relationships. How would our love for God grow if we, if we viewed it this way? If we, if we saw him and recognized all that he has done, going back to understanding and trusting God, if we, can, if we can view God that way, how does that grow our relationship with him? Ultimately, how could this church make a difference in the lives of the people around us? Each of you have influence over somebody. Each of you have relationships. And the way that you interact with somebody can greatly affect their day and how they feel about themselves. And at the end of the day, you say, you know what? My, my, my purpose and my identity and everything, it's, it's not found in this, in this life. It's found in God. And no matter what happens, you can have a pandemic, you can have political strife and social unrest, you can have all these different things happening, and it'll make relationships difficult, and there'll be a lot of opinions, but at the end of the day, you can be rooted and grounded in the fact that God loves you, and he sees you, and he understands you, and he wants a relationship with you, and he wants you to find your sufficiency and your dependence in him alone. Let's pray. God, I, I pray that, that this time would not just be a time to hear something and then go off and back to our lives, God, but, but all of us, I pray that we would uh, begin to embrace more of who you say we are. That we would, we would not be proud and rest in our own abilities, God, but we would we would work to give you control. And, I, and that's a step that, that's hard. And I think in each of our lives, God, that's going to look a little different. And we're gonna have different levels of being able to do that, God. But I pray that we would, we would work to do what we can to, to begin that process of trusting you 
knowing that we need circles of sufficiency, knowing that we need community in order to have a, a full life, but also knowing that those relationships and those circles outside of you could always be flawed and always have limits, God. And so as we work through the messiness of this life, the messiness of relationships, God, we pray for your wisdom and for your guidance. We pray for healing in our lives, God, for maybe some past wounds. I pray for patience in our relationships with others, God, as they're working through things themselves. God, I pray that you use us and that we would love you well and we would love others well. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to please stand and join us as we continue this time of worship.